You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. Lord, we are thankful that we are here to hear the good news. We are here to be encouraged by your word, this, this living, breathing word of God. And as we engage your word, I pray, Father, that revelation comes, your truths are revealed, and I also pray that this, this understanding of acting on what we hear will take place. Obedience will follow the words that we hear from you. Thank you for giving us this word. Thank you for giving us your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to first lay, lay kind of an understanding of, of Jesus' sonship. And, and I, I think we all know that Jesus is the Son of God. But just even connecting the idea that God the Father and God the Son have this intimate connection, not just because of Jesus the Son on the planet, but Jesus, God the Son. There's been an eternal connection between God the Son and God the Father. Matthew 3, 16 through 17, read this. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, how many of you know this story? The heavens were opened and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settled on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. I don't know any son on the planet who doesn't want to hear words of affirmation from his father. And I'm not trying to get into cycle babble, but it's in our spiritual DNA to need affirmation from our father. It's how we're built. And this is God, the father giving Jesus, the son who came to earth and, and, and in the form of a man, giving him his approval. Listen, friends, before he had done anything. He hadn't started his ministry. I've shared this in the past. He hadn't walked on water, raised the dead, turned water into wine, nothing. Jesus was beloved by his father. And Jesus already gave him great joy. Isn't that amazing? Many of you moms would know what that's like. You have a baby in your arms, newborn, as messy as they come out. We had one clean baby, but, but as messy as they come out, they have done nothing. And yet somehow there's this great joy that starts to just form in your gut. Like they, they haven't done anything. And as a matter of fact, they probably do all the wrong things at first. But there's great joy. This was Jesus, the son and God, the father's connection. My dearly beloved son, God's dearly beloved son. Like God, the father, Jesus, the son can be characterized by many of the attributes of his nature. And in, in our Father God series, we, we learned about the names of God and all the attributes of who he, who he is and what he does and what he was about and his heart and uh, his heart for us. And, and it's the same for Jesus. So that Jesus also carried a name. We sang about it this morning, the name above every other name. Yeshua. What's amazing about the name of Jesus is his name actually means, listen, friends, Savior. And so Jesus growing up, he would be, he was called savior. He was called savior by his friends. He was called savior by his parents. Yeshua. 
In the Hebrew, it can be interpreted as, as deliverer, rescuer, meaning the same thing for us in, in, in English, savior. Can you imagine your whole life being prophetically called who you always were meant to be? Isn't that a powerful thing? I kind of, I, when you look back at some of the, the names in, in the Bible, some of their names are, are kind of messed up if you think about it. Um, like, uh, I don't want to probably get into all of them. <laughs> but like they're, they're being called something according to an attribute of who you were was kind of the Hebrew kind of culture. And so like uh, uh, Esau and, and, um, and ja- Esau and Jacob, Esau and Jacob who were born, uh, the twins that were born and one was holding on to the heel of the other. And his name was the, the usurper, right? Could you like imagine his whole life? He was called, hey, usurper, like, you who's trying to get up on your brother like that. And, and that's who he ended up being. It was just, it's a, so I'm just hoping that your names mean good things. Um, last week can focus on Jesus being the bread of life. Throughout scripture, the, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us in, in wonderful ways. The alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the redeemer, healer, wonderful counselor, the mighty God. The Prince of Peace. All of these things are, are, are attributes of who he is, names of Jesus. During Holy Week alone, uh, as mankind, we're, we're, we're forced to look at the person of Jesus in powerful ways. The Messiah, the Christ, these two words being the same word, Messiah in the Hebrew, Christ in the Greek, the anointed one. Jesus was the anointed one. And, and as, as the prophecies of the Old Testament were lining up in the person of Jesus, all eyes were on Christ. On Palm Sunday, we hailed Jesus as the deliverer of Israel. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. On Good Friday, Jesus is baptized in blood as a sacrificial lamb of God knowing that sacrifices always needed to be made for the sins of mankind. And in the old covenant, they would have to take their sacrifice to the temple. The sacrifice would be made on behalf of the family. They would have to take the purest and the best to their ability to the temple. That animal would be slaughtered, blood would be spilt, and sins would be forgiven. But it was costly. And something else wasn't happening There was no true intimacy taking place through those sacrifices. It became routine. It became a ritual. Oh, it's time to go back to the temple and take our sacrifices to be forgiven of our sins. And so they would take their sacrifices. Blood would be spilled. Sins would be forgiven. And then mankind would go back and do their thing again. There was no long-term intimacy and connection. And so God the Father in his ultimate wisdom with God the Son came up with a plan. There had to be one final sacrifice. One sacrifice that would cover all other sacrifices. There would never be another sacrifice needed, but it had to be pure, and it had to be the most significant, important sacrifice that God, the Creator, could ever offer. And it was His Son. On Resurrection Sunday, Jesus, 
lives up to his name. Yeshua. Savior. And he is ordained Savior of the world. And if that doesn't move you and if that doesn't stir you, people, I'm not trying to poke at your emotions. I'm trying to get you to understand the depth of what God the Son did. The one who has conquered death and sin and atoned for sins of all mankind so that we could be saved from the penalty, the death penalty that was ours because of sin. Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua. And Hispanics are the only people brave enough to name their kids Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? We use all the other biblical names, right? Of the American cultures, all the other, I mean, we love Isaiah and Joshua and all, I mean, but Hispanics are the ones brave enough, uh, except for what he got game, Jesus. Anyway, sorry. That's Yeshua. Man, what a powerful name. Up to this point in human history, friends, I, I think we are all looking pretty good. We weren't in the old covenant. We weren't falling in and out of love with God. We weren't in the desert and worshiping other gods and falling, you know, out of relationship with God. And, and we weren't on the planet when Jesus came. And so we weren't forced to make the hard decisions that the world and the culture had to make at the time. Is he the Christ or is he not the Christ? But at some point, the gospel intersected with our lives and, and we had to respond to the good news. We had to respond to this son of God. Is he the Messiah? Is he not the Messiah? Is he king or is he not king? Is he Lord or is he not Lord? But up to this point, it was still like we were looking good because it was all free. What Jesus did on the cross was it was an offering. It was a gift to mankind. And the Bible says that all we have to do is accept and believe. And if we will accept and believe, then we can be children of God. Salvation is a free gift if we would just turn from our sins and turn to God. Jesus has done all the work. How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you, are, how many of you know that you, you can do nothing to earn salvation? You could do nothing to earn salvation. You can't be good enough. You, you, you can't pay enough. There was nothing you can do to earn this free gift. It was given to you. You have to accept and believe. It's a response. It's a heart response. It's a, it's a life response. And so up to this point, this, this understanding of Savior, we're, 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 we're doing pretty good. Because it was all offered up for us. But then there comes this understanding of Jesus' lordship. So as Jesus became savior through his death on the cross, Jesus eventually resurrected, became king, conquering king over sin and death. Matthew, Mark chapter 16, verse 19 says, When the Lord Jesus had finished talking to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus is seated on the throne now, and he is not only Savior, although I really don't want to dismiss this today. But as Christians, we can't just take one and not the other. 
As followers of Jesus, we can't just take Jesus the Savior and not accept Jesus the Lord. Because Jesus the Savior, I, I think we were all in love with Jesus the Savior because of that free gift. There's nothing we have to do. All we have to do is accept and believe. But Jesus the Lord, there has to be another approach. Because Jesus the Lord is king. And the king is seated on a throne and his lordship brings a whole different element to our relationship with him. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Therefore God, verse 9, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. God the Father elevated Jesus the Son to the place of highest honor. Isn't that powerful? And sometimes I, I, um, people can, can get like, how come it's, you know, it's always about Jesus? You got Jesus and lights and Jesus and Jesus. It's because this is what God the Father did. God the Father is not in competition with God his Son. If you've ever seen competition between a parent, a parent and, a, and a child, it's the, it's the most horrific thing you'll ever see. It's, not, it's never supposed to be. God loves his Son. And Jesus' son loves his father. There's no competition between the two. And so God the Father in the old covenant was like, yes, worship me. Yes, adore me. I am Yahweh. I am all sufficient, all powerful. You should have no other gods before me. But in the new covenant, God the Father has said, I want you to direct all of that affection and give it to the one who gave his life for you. My son. Jesus, God gave him the highest place of honor, gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, listen, friends, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That pretty much covers everywhere, right? And every tongue, every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. If you want to give glory to God our Father, Honor his son. Honor his son. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this. If you openly declare, can you say openly? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Listen, friends, you will be saved. You will be saved. If you openly declare that Jesus Christ, listen, friends, is not just save you. He is Lord. He is seated on the throne. If you declare that he is Lord, believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is such a beautiful thing. But lordship is a whole other component. Lordship demands obedience. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says this, to some of the religious people who, who kept wanting to follow. And I mean, th- there was his closest disciples, but how many of you know there were some looky-loos who were always in there too? Do you know what looky-loos are? Is the people on freeways who are always like, oh, it happened over there. They're not paying attention. Those are looky-loo people. People, the, the Metichis, that's, that's the word, right? The nosy people. All these religious people would be falling around waiting for Jesus to, you know, say something awesome or say something wrong so that they can bring accusations. But Jesus says this potent thing here. It says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? You see, Jesus was establishing his lordship while he was on this earth. And he was telling them there has to be a connection that translates in our relationship 
You keep calling me Lord. You keep saying that I'm Lord. And that word Lord there is the word that we see in the Old Testament of how they called God the Father, Adonai, right? This is the Lord, Lord. You keep calling me Lord, but you don't do what I say. There's something being lost in translation with our relationship. Obedience is the love language of the kingdom. Bible says if you Jesus and John the Bible says Jesus said this if you love me you will obey me my iPad's acting up again sorry if you love me you will obey. obedience is a love language of the kingdom if, if you want to bring glory to God obey the son obey the son Jesus obeyed his father to the point of suffering and during this time of Holy Week, we, we see these two pictures offered to, to the world, right? Suffering and victory. And there's this dichotomy. It's like we, we recognize with the suffering of the cross, but then we, there's, this, there's this, this victory of, of the resurrection. And I believe sometimes the church has been split right down the middle of how theologically we lean, even during Holy Week, right? Do we identify with Jesus' suffering or do we identify with Jesus' victory? And, and, and so people preach either a gospel of suffering or a gospel of victory. And I'm telling you, it's supposed to be both, it, it, but there's something higher happening here. Yes, there was suffering. Yes, there is victory. But the thread that goes through it all is Jesus, the son, loved his father. It's love. Love is this thread that brings us from suffering to victory. And so it's not either or, it's both. But it's love that, that stands above it all. It's this relationship between God, the son and God, the father and their creation. This was a greater motivation from the road to suffering to the cross, from the cross to the tomb, from the tomb to the throne. It was love. It was love. And this, this love thing is what brings me back to my second message this morning. That was my first message. I told you I had three. <laughs> Jesus was a beloved son. He was a beloved son and he loved his Abba. And that word Abba, I've, I've, I've translated that for you in the past. It's this intimate name of God that we, we also get to use. We read it throughout scripture, Old Testament and New. We read it in the most intimate times of Jesus' life. When he's in the garden and he's praying. And, and he knows he's got to go to the cross. And he knows what's lying before him because... And that you might wrestle with this as much as I do. Though he was fully God while he was on earth, he was fully man. And any man looking at a cross, their knees would start to buckle. And Jesus, while he's praying and he asks his disciples to come, you guys probably know the story. If you've watched The Passion of the Christ, as we did last night again, you, you, you'll know a bit of this story. I mean, he invited his disciples, come and pray with me because my, my, my hour has come. His disciples fall asleep and he's left in turmoil with his Abba. And he asks his father, if there's any way that this cup could pass for me, if there's any way that I don't have to endure this suffering, if there's another way. 
And God the Father doesn't give provision because there's no other way. Jesus had already prophesied it in his life and his ministry. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only Jesus. This intimate connection between Jesus and his Father. Jesus, the Son, was a reflection of who his father was. Hebrews chapter one, verse three says this, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. And listen to this, friends. I might be reading out of a different version that's up. It says he is the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the exact representation of who God the father is. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. If Yahweh chooses to reveal himself as father, it makes complete sense that Yeshua would choose to reveal himself to creation as what? Son. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, we look to Jesus. If you want to know God's character, we look to Jesus. This is why Jesus is a name above every name. This is why we focus so much on Christ. This is God's plan. He's the invisible image of the, of the, I'm sorry, the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see. I know like we like to think that we have it all figured out with our telescopes and everything. The things we can't see. Such as thrones and kingdoms, and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. In the what? The unseen world. Everything was created through him. Listen, friends. And for him. Everything was created through him and for him. The people of Jesus' day wrestled with this. They wanted a conquering king. Man, they wanted the white stallion with the with the sword drawn, and, and, and they wanted empires overthrown. That's not how Jesus revealed himself, though. So they were looking for more. And even when Jesus was here, they're like, Jesus, show us more. Jesus, show us the Father. If he would just show us, Philip even asked him in John 14, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. And I think, friends, sometimes we're like that. God has given us his son, And we're still telling God, God, if you could just show us more. God, if you could just give us this, then we will be satisfied. God, if you can work out this thing in my life, it will be satisfied. God, if you could just. It was Jesus that he gave. And he's asking us again to look to Jesus. Jesus says, do you not know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you now? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
So I'm trying to establish this understanding that God and the Son have always been connected. And we could go all the way back to the Genesis 1 passage when God is creating the earth. And he says this thing, friends. He says, let us make man, listen, friends, in our image. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to Jesus, the Son. We're making mankind in our image. John, John the Beloved, he actually writes this in John 1. He, he takes the Colossians passage that the Apostle, uh, uh, or Apostle Paul probably used his passage. Uh, but we see this in Apostle Paul's passage in Colossians. We see the Genesis 1 um, passage of, of creation. And then John writes this, In the beginning was the Word, and it already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish this. This is Jesus. Jesus was not some created being that God sent to the earth to, to, to be sacrificed and said, okay, I'm going to acknowledge him as my son and I want you to recognize him as God. No, he was always God. And he chose to come to the earth in the form of a man, God becoming creation. Can, can you imagine anything like that? Yeah. I mean, we watched that show, Undercover Boss, and we're like, man, a guy would do something like that. We think that's awesome. Like, he's going to go, what, actually get dirty with his employees? That's so awesome. And then we cry because he does something great at the end. Or at least I do because I'm a wimp. Um, <laughs> God. Came to earth and God sacrificed his life. Jesus had always been. Jesus wasn't a created being God chose to call son. Jesus is God. Jesus always has been, always will be. Creator chose to become created. God chose to become man. This is wrapped up in the John 3.16 message. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. One and only son. So that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. This is why God gave his son. But God the son had to respond. God the Father and God the Son were in unity on this planet. And it was God the Son who had to execute it. Do we realize that? Do we recognize? I mean, it's easy. I mean, how many of your bosses have like wrote checks that you guys have to cash? All right, let me do this. Parents, how many checks have your kids written that you have to pass cash? It, it, I mean, it, it, when someone else writes a check, it's easy, right? But someone, when someone else has to cash it, that's significant. God the Father sent the Son, but God the Son had to respond. All who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen to this, friends. This is what changes the entire story. God the Son was giving creation now the right to become the children of God. Jesus paves the way for the future children of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become, listen friends, like his son, 
so that his son would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. Now, I'm not asking you to develop a theology that Jesus Christ is your brother. Please do not do that. Let me read this again. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son, Jesus. Most of us Jesus followers would commonly call ourselves Christian. But for me, words have meaning. And that word Christian means this, Christ-like. And so if someone was hearing you in literal terms and you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. If they were listening, they would say, yeah, I'm Christ-like. How are you? It's good to meet you. How many of you have ever introduced yourself like that? Like, I'm (laughs) Christ-like. Many of us have said we're Christian, but I wonder how many of us would say we're Christ-like. But listen, this was God's plan. Wasn't God's plan that we just have this label as Christian, or this, this label of Jesus follower? For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Jesus is our prototype. We look to Jesus so that his son would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. It was always God's plan to bring his creation back into sonship. You daughters, I don't want you to not hear what I'm not saying. Sons and daughters would have, who would have a connection with their father. But the only way we're truly going to understand how this works is when we look to Jesus, the son. When we look at this relationship between God, the father and God, the son, we see this deep connection between the two. It was always, it had always been. And we get this, you know, this glimpse from scripture of what, of what it looked like. And we have to draw as much life out of it as we can. But I'm telling you, friends, it's such greater than we even know. Because he has always been. And he always will be. Here's some of the characteristics of Jesus' sonship. Jesus demonstrated his love through in- intimacy. Jesus prayed in, in the language like we see this in, in, in Matthew chapter 5. Our father. He's inviting you and I into relationship with the heavenly father. Jesus gives us this model of prayer. Our father. Jesus often withdrew while we see his life through the New Testament. He often withdrew to connect what? With the father. Dozens of references in scripture reveal his holy connection between father and son. John 17, 21, Jesus says this, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. You hear this language? Yeah. I don't know if, 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 if I've ever had a connection like that with a, 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 an earthly father. Maybe you've never had a connection like that with an earthly father, but this is the connection that has been presented to us by our heavenly father. And he is saying, this is the connection that I want with you because this is the one I had with my first son. I pray that they will be one as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. There's only one time in history that Jesus ever felt separated from his father. And that's when he hung on the cross with my sins and your sins plastered to his being. And God the Father was looking down at this demonstration of love from his son. 
to turn away. He couldn't look at the sin. He couldn't look at what had happened to his son because of their creation. And Jesus says, God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time Jesus had ever felt separation from his father. And it was because of sin. Jesus also demonstrates his love through sacrifice. Jesus, the son of God, was willing to be, listen, friend, was willing to be orphaned for the chance that we would choose adoption. Think of that. Jesus was willing to be orphaned for the chance, chance that we would receive adoption. That's powerful. Who would give up their place as son? Who would give up their place as daughter for the sake of someone else? Who would do it? God the son. God the son would do it. Matthew chapter 27 says this. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. This is during Jesus' trial. And at that time, um, they, they had a well-known prisoner whose name um, was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called Messiah for he knew he was out uh, um, he knew it was out of self-interest that, that they had handed Jesus over to him now I, I know this seems like a very obscure thing to put right in the middle of this um, portion of script or of my passage but listen to this we have to understand what the name Barabbas means if you if you look at Jesus speaking to people there's a, a Part of scripture when he calls Simon son of Jonah. And the way that scripture is used is it says Simon bar Jonah. So bar means son. Jonah means Jonah. So Simon bar Jonah. Simon son of Jonah. This is the same for Barabbas. Listen to this friends. Bar son Abba. Barabbas. Sons of God. The son of God gave up his life for the sons of God. For the sons of God. He said, take me and release the guilty ones. Take me, Yeshua, the savior, and release Barabbas. And I know Barabbas, it's like Judas now. It's all, it's all, that's a bad name, right? We don't use it. But this, the, the sons of God, release the sons of God, set the, the guilty ones free and take me, the innocent one. Jesus was sacrificial. He gave up everything for the father. This is what he did. This is what a son does when he is one with his father. And then lastly, I can get this iPad to work. Jesus demonstrates through obedience. John chapter 4, verse 43 says this. My food is to do the will of my father who sent me. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And listen to this friend and for finishing his work. This is what drove Jesus 
I want to do the will of my father. I want to please my father. What good son does I want to please his father? I want to please my father. This was Jesus's heart. I came to this earth to finish his work, not just to do it, but to finish it. His passion was to work for his father. That can seem very like, wow, really? Like, yes, really. And it's why we have a passion. Sometimes our passion is directed towards another man. Or sometimes our, our passion is directed towards, towards things like money and, and stuff. So we have passion to drive, right, for, to, to please. But I'm telling you, all of that has, that has been woven to our spiritual DNA should be directed towards God the Father and Jesus Gave us the model. Jesus gave us the example. Philippians chapter um, 2 verse 8 says this. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Which means he was willing to be so obedient. He did it to the point of death. Matthew Matthew chapter 26 verse 39 says this. I've already read this passage. (laughs) I'll read it again. As he goes to the garden, he went on a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground. And he says, my father, that word Abba there. If it is possible to let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And this is the portion I want us to understand. Yeah, I want your will to be done. Not mine. This is obedience. This is what living a life of obedience. This, this is what, what God's obedient children learn to walk out. Not my will, but your will. Jesus, listen, friends, he wasn't proving his love to God. Jesus wasn't proving his love to God by obeying. Jesus wasn't saying these things to get his father's approval. I want us to go all the way back to the beginning of this sermon. God loved his son before he had done a thing. But Jesus came to a place in his life where he trusted God wholeheartedly. This is not my will, but your will. And as a human on this planet right now, God, I do not want to go to the cross, but it's not my will, your will. When we go back to the Lord's Prayer, he actually asked us to pray this same thing. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus wasn't proving his love. He was demonstrating love through his obedience. And this is what we're called to. For those of us who say we are followers of Jesus, those of us who say that we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, those of us who believe that Jesus died on the cross, three days later rose again, those of us who recognize his lordship, we don't have to prove our love to God by the things that we do. It's not about gaining his affection. It's not about, you know, us carrying around a 20 pound Bible and subscribing to, you know, all the Christian stuff out there and wearing t-shirts and having bumper stickers. It's about living a life of obedience, not for his love, but because of his love. Yeah. If Jesus, son demonstrated his love through intimacy, 
how much more should we? How much more should we be spending time with our Father? How much more should we be wanting to be in prayer, wanting to read the Word of God? Reading the Word of God is like listening to your Father's heart. This is my representation of a Bible, sorry. (laughs) Demonstrated through sacrifice. Listen, friends, I'm not going to lie to you. Being a Christian is going to be the hardest thing you're ever going to do on this planet. And there is sacrifice involved. But it's not sacrifice to gain his love. It's sacrifice because you have chosen to love him. And then obedience. And I know sacrifice and obedience can can seem like, you know, kind of the same thing, but it, it, it really is it. Sacrifice is giving up. Obedience is walking in. Right? I want to leave you with this verse. Galatians 4, 6. And because we are his children, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. This connection that Jesus had with his father is the same connection that has been made available to us. Can you imagine that? The Bible calls Christians co-heirs with Christ. Jesus, the son of God, is the rightful heir to the throne of God. Can you say amen to that? And yes, somehow has chosen to share that inheritance with us? Does that make sense? Can you even, like, does that even, like, register? Because we are God's children, he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call him Abba Father. We now have the right to call him Father. The same intimacy Jesus had, the same intimacy we can have. The same sacrifice that Jesus is willing to give is the same sacrifice we should be willing to give. And the same level of obedience that Jesus demonstrated is the same level of obedience every child of God should be willing to demonstrate. And I'm t- you're not going to ever have to die for the world. You're not Jesus. It'll never work. But there have been believers over centuries who have There have been believers over centuries who have given up everything for the sake of Jesus. I know in this American culture that we're living in, this this thing that we're a part of, it can seem like it's just an add-on to our life. This should be the central theme and focus of our lives because it was Jesus's. And if we're called to be Christ-like, I pray that that's, that's our intent, that that's our passion, that that's our life story, that when we see God face to face, that we're able to say, I did it for you. I didn't do it for a company. And I know this is going to sound crazy harsh for some of you. I didn't do it for my family. I did it for you. 
And these beautiful words will be spoken over us. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and enter your rest. Come and enter this intimate place that I've always created for you. Can you guys close your eyes for a second? I really believe this morning there's an opportunity for some in this room to either dedicate for the first time or maybe rededicate your life to the Lord this morning. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this room who hasn't fallen short, including myself. But there's this beautiful thing called grace. This grace. That word grace is, means unmerited favor. God has given, given you favor. He's given you favor this morning. And I believe you've been ordained to be here in this room this morning. And God is asking you. Can you dedicate your life to me again? Or can you dedicate your life to me once and for all so that we can be in relationship like I've always designed? Doesn't mean your life's perfect. Doesn't even mean that you're ready. But it means that you recognize that you need the God of heaven. It means that you recognize what Jesus did on the cross. And it's by believing and it's by declaring that salvation comes. confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then your story of you and Jesus begins. If you'd like to start that story this morning, I'm just not going to embarrass you, but I would love to, everyone's eyes are closed, so if you just raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to know before you leave this place today that you have started this relationship with Jesus. That you are choosing to be a child of God, adopted into this beautiful family that is his. So if that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Is there anyone who needs to do that this morning? Amen. Thank you for raising your hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Whether you've raised your physical hand or whether you're raising the hand in your heart, say, yes, I need this. I need this connection with Jesus. I, I need to be intimate with my father again. Just love for you to pray with me. If you're willing to pray, you can out loud, go for it. If not, you can pray in your hearts, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the sacrifice you made for me. I recognize the price that you paid that I could not pay. I thank you for that sacrifice. I ask you forgiveness for my sins. I choose to turn away from those sins. 
and I choose to turn towards you. I choose to be in a loving relationship with you. I might not know how to do it. I might not do this thing all perfectly. But my desire is intimacy with you. I accept you as my Savior and as Lord. Give me the strength to obey. Give me the strength to live for you. When I fall, give me the strength to get back up. I love you and honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Can we give Jesus praise this morning? It's this beautiful thing called the assurance of salvation. And I know far too many Christians who are walking around unsure of their salvation. I mean, just, you know, you make a misstep here and like, oh, God hates me now. And you make a misstep there and, oh, I've fallen out of favor with God. Lightning bolts are going to come from heaven. The assurance of salvation, listen, friends, has nothing to do with what you have done. It has everything to do with what he has done. Salvation is secure in Jesus. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he didn't say it's almost done. He didn't say, oh, I got a little more work to do on this one. It is finished. And so you should walk around with your head held high, knowing that your salvation is secure in Jesus. And if you believe that, let's give Jesus praise today. Awesome. He is risen. There you go. Hey, have an amazing Easter. However you're celebrating today with family, with food, with however you're doing it, be sure to keep Jesus a central theme and focus. I mean, this is this is our Super Bowl, friends. This is like, you know, like like we already know who won. So it's all good. Um, Jesus, celebrate, go big, declare Jesus. Uh, enjoy your family. I, hope, I pray you have an amazing week this week. Um, Couples, don't forget, Chloe's going to be out in the, in, in the lobby. Find her. She's, she's, um, she might be hard to find, but find her. Uh, sign up. We, we can't wait to have a great time with you couples in a couple weeks. For those of you who are visitors today, we want to thank you for coming again. Let's give them a big uh, round of applause. Happy Easter, and we will see you guys next week. God bless you guys.